Welcome to the Crowdmakers, inside the C-suite of sports and entertainment, the definitive podcast on the inner workings of the business side of professional sports, concerts, and live events. These are the people that are shaping the new landscape of the industry, the executives that are creating the new paradigm for live entertainment. These are the inside conversations you won't hear anywhere else. These are the Crowdmakers. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the digital training network that uses micro-learning and spaced repetition to form new habits of success in sales, service, leadership, and more. Created by sports and entertainment industry experts for the industry. Learn more at ISBI360.com. And now, here's your host for the Crowdmakers, Bill Gertine. Welcome to the Crowdmakers. I'm Bill Gertine, and once again, I am joined by a very special guest. Really pleased to introduce to many of you Steve Chapman, the Executive Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer of the NHL's St. Louis Blues. Steve, welcome to the Crowdmakers. Thanks, Bill. So it's been a weird time here in this pandemic. We had a chance to chat a little off mic beforehand, and we've all had some interesting times. What have you been doing to better yourself during this whole time? Is there a habit that you've started, maybe something you've started reading, anything like that? Um, you know what? Uh, I can't say that there's anything that I've necessarily started, but, uh, but one thing that I've learned during this pandemic is the ability for us to individually improve on our own. Um, and when I say on our own, I don't, I don't necessarily mean completely on our own, but, uh, but if, you, if you would have asked me two years ago about working from home and all those things, I, I, I probably would have had a little raised eyebrow about, you know, about the whole thing. And now that we're in the middle of it, have done it, uh, continuing to do it right now, I'm amazed at really the people that I'm surrounded by and what they get done on their own, quote unquote. Um, it's, uh, you know, people are unbelievably resilient, unbelievably resilient. And when you put them in, uh, in, in challenging situations, they just respond to it. So, you know, I, I don't know if I have an individual habit. I have, uh, Hey, I have continued during this, uh, during this pandemic, I've continued to, to work out, individually like from a physical standpoint uh, i've probably gotten in better shape than uh, than i've been in in years um which really isn't a massive improvement as much as it is just uh hey you know now i now on meetings i i put my air you know my airpods in and, and sometimes i'm walking and i've literally had to stop in the middle of a hey guys so i gotta catch my breath i was just running there you know give me give me give me two seconds i'm, I'm old <laughs> you know <laughs> give me a second um, but I guess my point about that is, uh, um, you never stop realizing ways you can get better. And, uh, and I think this situation has, has at least, uh, shed a whole lot of light on that for me, but I, I'm just, I'm so impressed with our team and how they were, they've responded to this, you know, um, to this situation and, uh, you know, adversity makes you makes you stronger i think it does and i i think uh i think i've just i've just been impressed with the way people react to this entire situation well most everyone in sports can tell you where they were on that day in march where they first learned that things were going to be shut down where were you at that moment you probably remember exactly where that was what was the situation for you yeah that's a great question uh i know exactly where i was uh 
Housing Enterprise Center. We do a, a an event every year that really is a community outreach program. Um, it's high school hockey, and it's the high school hockey state championships. Uh, they're played. We 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 recently did a big. Uh, I'll give I'll give a, I'll give a uh, this is, this is gonna sound like a blatant plug. We re, we recently were part of an eighty two million dollar uh, building of a practice facility and youth hockey facility and um, here in St. Louis. The actual state high school hockey championship game is played at Enterprise Center downtown. And one of the reasons why we do it is because it's just cool that kids grow up and they know if they, if they reach the finals of the state high school hockey championships, they're going to play on the same ice that the Blues play, right? And I love that. And uh, I, just, I just love everything about that, that, that you know, these, uh, these high schoolers just – just have this feeling of, of, of skating on the same ice. I was at that game. We were, we were hosting uh, two local high schools at the high school state hockey championships. And I actually have a good friend whose son was playing for one of the teams that was, uh, that was in the state high school hockey championships. And I grabbed a suite for him and his family and, and his friends and, and, and his friends are my friends. So I almost knew everybody in the, in the suite, but like, I remember this specifically sitting there and, and, you know, rooting for his, uh, uh, rooting for his son and their team and suddenly getting a text that I kind of, I, I don't, I won't say I kind of knew what's coming, but I knew something was afoot, right. With, uh, with the NCAA basketball stopping and everything else. And I just, I remember telling everybody, Hey guys, I'm sorry. I, I got to go down to the office. Like this is, this is huge. And it, it was, we, we had, a, we had one of the first rounds of the NCAA championships playing in enterprise center and it was canceled. And, and that's when I went, Oh my, like, this is, this is big. And uh, I think a lot of us, I, I think if you go back and put yourself in that time period, a lot of us had literally no idea that this could even happen. And it, it hit me like, wow, wow. You know, I mean, the NCAA is canceling, you know, uh, the, the, the annual, you know, NCAA basketball championships, not, not postponing it, not doing it something like canceling it. I think it's a moment it hit me like, oh my, this is a, this is big. Yeah, I think that was true for many of us. When that Holy grail went down, we didn't think there was anything that was sacred after that. It was right. uh, quite the thing. So many decisions had to be made early on, Steve. Many of them were made without any playbook to go on. You had to make some of those. Looking back, is there an example of a mistake that you made early on? And what did you learn from it? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I have to apologize here because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't pause on the past very much. I really don't. And, I, and I, when I say that, it's not that I don't learn for it. I just don't dwell on it very much. And uh, um, what mistakes did we make? Um, it, if I'm being honest, I, I think one of, one of the mistakes that I personally made was just the belief that this could even happen, you know? And, um, you know, I think as we prepare, one of the things that I try to get myself to do and my teams to do, and I, we, call them, we, we call them escape hatches. And I'm like, hey, as you – as you prepare for things, I'm not using an example. Uh, let's let's use an example of, of game presentation. I have one of the best game presentation teams. I am so fortunate the group that I have, 
But one of the things that I've taught them is something, something's going to screw up. Something, something is going to go wrong. Build yourself escape hatches to get out of what went wrong, right? Like find ways out and, and not only find ways out, but be prepared for ways out. If I'm being uh, completely honest about this situation, I had zero idea that this could even happen, that, that something like this could even happen. And um, now I think, uh, I, I, don't, Bill, I, don't, I don't know, you know, all the different people that you speak with, you yourself and your business, like what, what else you got cosmos? Like, like this is, this is like, you know, what we've encountered over the last year has been simply unbelievable. And, uh, and just preparing ourselves for, for this unbelievable unique situation. I think it's, uh, I, I won't say that I did it wrong, but I will say that, I mean, I, I'm a lot more cognizant of, of big picture things that can go poorly and how you need to prepare for that. Well, I appreciate your humility and all that. I think a lot of us have really had to take a little bit more of a dose of reality, no matter what your position is, as to what's going on. But certainly the NHL this year started their season here a few weeks ago as we taped this. And so far it appears to be going pretty well, despite the fact that only a few teams can really have any fans at all. Uh, what's the status of your sales team right now? And, and what are your immediate plans for selling going forward at the blues? Yeah, well, we have just recently, uh, we started off with a situation of kind of proving to ourselves and proving to the city that we could perform at a safe and, you know, a safe level to bring fans into the building. We are, I was, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, that's come out of this pandemic that's positive is I've made connections with people that I, you know, you, you sit there and you go, well, why didn't I do this before? And I have a group of fellow, I'll call them CROs and CROs, CMOs. But there's a group of us, five or six, that uh, that we now every week meet for 30, 30 minutes to an hour. And then beyond the 30 minutes to an hour, we, we're, we're now on a text chain. And it literally goes, this is almost like you're, everybody has an, a group of old buddies, old friends, old whatever, that, that this text chain has become that, right? And it's so unbelievably helpful. It's so unbelievably insightful. Um, and, and I think that, uh, that just learning to, to <laughs> learning to deal with this situation, but we were on that call the other day and, and I, I actually mentioned to them, I said, you know what guys, we're, we are, we are really, um, we're really working on next season right now. We're getting through this season and we're doing it well. What we're really working on next season is what we're talking about doing. And I think that's one of the biggest things is, is that uh, we're planning for a season that is yet to come upon us. We're planning for a season that we're hopeful is, is a little bit more back to normal, but you know what, we've learned a lot during this pandemic and how do we take those things that we've learned in, during this pandemic and apply it to, uh, to moving forward. Yeah. Um, so when you ask about the sales team, Hey, I, I'm, uh, we're very blessed in St. Louis. You know, St. Louis doesn't have beaches. It doesn't have mountains. It has its sports teams. And I'm not from St. Louis. Uh, I don't say this cause I grew up down the street next to Anheuser-Busch. I, I moved here in 2015. I am blown away by the passion that this city has for its sports teams. 
And, uh, um, I, I think one of the things that we've done during this, during this situation, during this pandemic is connect better with our fans. And, uh, um, that's what we're working on right now is moving forward and, and making sure that, uh, that we have genuine, authentic connections with our fans. Well, let's talk about that moment that you did come into town in 2015. You came aboard as the group VP of brand community and partnership development and you came to town just as the Rams had announced that they were leaving St. Louis to go back to Los Angeles. The St. Louis community had to have been feeling a, a, a huge loss at that time. What was the mood of the community to even discuss partnering with the Blues after the city had lost their NFL franchise? Um, it was an opportunity for the Blues. Uh, um, you're right. Like That was literally when I got to, uh, when I arrived in St. Louis, that was literally going on. And if I'm, if I'm being honest, I arrived and as somebody who didn't have a, a really deep tie to the community at the time, I remember reading things and going, you people have lost their minds. They're, they're gone. Like, like if you, if you read the tea leaves, they're gone. And uh, I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know any of the background on this. I don't know the owners. I don't know whatever, but as I read the, you know, just things that I'm reading, when I arrived, there was there was a ground swell. There was a there was a local businessman who I think the world of, by the way, um, named Dave Peacock, who was with Anheuser Busch. Now he's with Schnucks um, Grocery Stores, and he was putting together a group that was trying to keep the team, the NFL team, in St. Louis. And Bill, if I'm being honest, I remember sitting one morning reading, you know, reading the paper or reading my my laptop. However, we do it now. I can't. Uh, <laughs> um, but I just remember thinking, you're kidding yourself. Like, they're gone. They're, they're going to L.A. And so what it presented for us is an opportunity to connect and an opportunity to really even more than it already was, because I don't want to make it sound like I suddenly did this when I got here, Because, but it, that's not true. That's, But it, it gave us an opportunity to really dig into what, what the blues mean to St. Louis and how the blues are connected to St. Louis. Now the blues aren't going anywhere and the blues have a 16 member local ownership group and the blues, you know, we are, we are St. Louis. And, um, and I think this marketplace really reacted to that, to us and the Cardinals from a sense of, uh, Hey, you know what? Um, we hate losing the NFL team, but, but these two teams are, they're us. And, uh, and I just, I actually think it gave us an opportunity to create a, an even stronger bond with our fans. That's great. Well, your building's naming rights sponsor changed here just a couple of years ago. You announced a big new deal with St. Louis based enterprise rent-a-car. Take us through how the enterprise center deal went down and what was important to you and the sponsor as you finalized that deal. Yeah. Um, well, we were we were nearing the end of the old Scott Trade deal um, when I arrived, and then Scott Trade, as as is going on right now in the industry, Scott Trade was in the process of being acquired by TD Ameritrade, and um, uh, I had just gotten to know our marketing partner at, at that firm. But I, I just remember, like, all right, if 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 I'm if I'm if I'm them, this is actually a great point. Not that I'm brilliant about this, but I just think it's something that uh, that that people can learn from. I always try to put myself in their position, right? And I think that's a great thing as you build partnerships, even as you build relationships. I know how I feel about things, but let me try my best to see how 
they feel about things and put myself in the position of where they're at. And I knew from our standpoint that we didn't really want to get in a situation where we went from Scott, you know, we were Scott trade center and okay, because there's two years left on the deal, we're going to suddenly become the TD Ameritrade center. And then, Hey, I, I, I'm from Boston. I, I know where, you know, I, I know TD Ameritrade it doesn't need another building with their name on it. And so, you know, clearly in the next couple of years, we were going to be looking for another partner and that's not good for a building to go from this to this, to this. And if I'm them and I just, I just kind of put myself in that position, as I, as I told you, if I'm them, I'm like, all right, I have a, I have an arena in Boston I have a, a stadium in, in Nebraska, um, you know, wh where we are. And I'm not an airline. Like, I, I don't need this much exposure. I don't need this much, you know. And so it really started with, okay, let, let's try to figure out a way to, to transition this building and what's best for the building. And then it became about what we we're talking about. Okay, well, if you're trying to – if you're trying – it doesn't always work out this way, but it's nice when it does you're trying to make a statement with your, with your building name and enterprise. I don't think a lot of people know that enterprise rental car is based in St. Louis, Missouri. You know, it's uh, I drive home by the corporate offices of enterprise every day. And I've gotten to know the, the good people over there and they live and they love St. Louis and, and the Taylor family, which, uh, which is, you know, um, the, the founders of, of enterprise rental car, they live here in St. Louis. Well, Sometimes you, you get the opportunity to actually connect a St. Louis company with a St. Louis, you know, entity, the blues, and really, you know, propel the name of St. Louis. And there is no doubt that the, that enterprise is, is clearly looking at this from a marketing standpoint. How can we make this good for, for enterprise rent a car? Um, how can we, you know, build brand value and everything else as they should. But I just, you know what? It, it just all kind of came together because we had, we had the opportunity to connect a authentically St. Louis company with an authentically St. Louis, you know, brand, the St. Louis blues. And uh, anyway, it, as, as anybody who's in sales knows, it just kind of wound its way through all of those, you know, all of those things, but it's, it's a, it's a great connection and a great partnership. Well, I'm sure they felt pretty darn good about your Stanley Cup championship right away and all the things that came with that and and probably are very proud of the way you're representing St. Louis even going forward in this 2020-21 season. Uh, the Blues have done a pretty special thing with the few hundred seats you've got in the building for the month of January uh, with the first responders and healthcare workers. Walk us through what you did and how that decision came to be for January in your building. Well, it, it came to be, if I'm being honest, just from a sense of, all right, we're trying to get back to normalcy, right? And uh, uh, I did not serve on the committee that, that spoke with and, and worked it out with the city. And I'm kind of glad I didn't. Uh, th there's, there's no logic to what's going on right now, right? Like you just have to, you just have to build back. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I think from our group and, and, and they're amazing. I mean, they, they, they in the city worked out, Hey, let's start off with 300 people in the building and the 300 people in the building really consisted of player families. And, and, uh, and then we did a really cool community outreach program where we, where we invited local, um, 
hospital frontline workers, ICUs. And we got, it wasn't just our naming rights party. We actually went out to other, you know, we went out to every hospital in the region and said, Hey, you guys figure out how you want to do this. But our intention is that we want to bring out the, the doctors, the nurses, the custodial staff, whatever it is, these people that have worked on the front lines of this, of this pandemic. And since we only are able to bring in 300 fans, we're, we're going to set aside a hundred tickets for us to reward uh, these fans are these, you know, these frontline workers with tickets to the game. And from an operation standpoint, if I'm being completely honest, it really didn't tax our system hard enough. Like it's not hard to put 300 people into an 18,000 seat building. It's just not. And, uh, but we were, we were able at least to run people through some protocols so that now that we're growing it, I mean, you probably recently read, we're going to 1400. Now we'll take what we've learned and applied and everything else and we'll apply that to 1400. And then obviously the, the hope is that the 1400 becomes 3000, the 3000 becomes 5000, the 5000 becomes 10,000. And you just keep moving and gaining on it. You keep learning. But it was a really cool exercise too, and a, a really cool community outreach program for us to, uh, us to be able to connect with these frontline workers. We'll be back for the second half right after this. Hi, this is Bill Gertine. I've been training the ticket sales departments of sports and entertainment for almost 20 years, and I love what I do. But everywhere I went, the story was always the same. We loved what you did. You got us fired up. But after a while, we kind of lost the spark, and we went back to the same old, same old. Well, not anymore. ISBI 360 is the first and only digital training network created exclusively for the specific long-term career needs of sports and entertainment professionals. Our seven different unique certification programs include the fundamentals of success in the industry, like ticket sales, sponsorships, social media, customer service, and leadership, all trained by industry experts like Brett Zalaski, Debbie Nolan, Misha Scher, and Seth Rabinowitz. ISBI 360 uses a unique four-stage learning process, including cutting-edge micro-learning videos, live recorded role plays, live coaching from industry experts, and an ongoing reinforcement program to make sure the learning sticks and forms the habits that your people need to grow and excel faster. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com demo. That's isbi360.com demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Check out what's different about ISBI 360 today. You know, you have been a hockey man your entire career which is, I don't say unusual for those at executive positions, but sometimes it's, it's that unusual. You, you started right out of school, roll tide at the, at, at Bama. Uh, you went up right up I-20 from Tuscaloosa up to Birmingham, and you became assistant GM right out of school for the ECHL's Birmingham Bulls. Was that a difficult assignment right out of school? And how challenging was that to have that much authority right away? <laughs> Oh, boy, we're rolling back the clock here, Bill. We're talking about how old we are now. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was challenging. I don't think I realized how challenging it was, actually, and that's probably a good thing. Uh, you know, I, I got that job because I showed up, um, and that's a that seems so simple, but I don't think, I don't think people put the value in what, what I just said. I was bartending. I was bartending in Birmingham and I was about, it was, it was getting on fall. 
And uh, I had decided that uh, I was young and I was, I was actually for a 22 year old kid, I was working at an upscale restaurant. I was making some pretty doggone good money for somebody bartending. Right. And I, I had about decided, well, if I'm going to bartend, I'm going to go somewhere that, uh, that I really want to really want to enjoy. And so I was, I was planning to go to Colorado and I was trying to figure that out when I, uh, in order to get the really good night shifts at this, you know, at this uh, upscale restaurant. And I was very fortunate. The owner took a liking to me, but one of the reasons why he took a liking to me was because I took the crappy lunch shifts that nobody else would take. Right. Cause you, you didn't make any money as a bartender at the lunch shifts, but somebody had a 10 bar for the, for the odd person that wanted a martini or whatever at lunch. And I, I, I swear, I remember this as vivid as yesterday. I was, I grabbed a, a Birmingham paper. I had made the one or two drinks that were necessary for that lunch shift. And I was reading the paper and, and the sports section said that, that Birmingham was bringing minor league hockey back to Birmingham. And as you said, I, I went to Alabama. I, I moved to Alabama when I was 13, but I grew up in Massachusetts. And so I love hockey. I've always loved hockey. Um, you know, uh, hockey was kind of, uh, I'm, I'm sure I would be, uh, I'm sure I'd be in the hall of fame now. If, uh, if, if my father had just stayed in Massachusetts when I was growing up, <laughs> he says jokingly, thank you for laughing. Because when, because when we, when we moved from Massachusetts, I was 13 and that was it. That was the end of hockey. Like the nearest rink was three and a half hours away. And, and it was, you know, it was football, baseball, basketball from then on. But that's what, that's what intrigued me. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I, to be honest with you at the time, I had no idea that, that the world hockey association had been in Birmingham, that they had a long history of hockey in Birmingham. I didn't know all that. I just, wow. They're bringing a hockey team to Birmingham. I want to, I want to go down and, uh, and get involved with that. And so when you say I started as a, an assistant GM, I know it looks that way on my resume. I actually didn't. I started as a, um, uh, I, I won't go into the whole story, but, but the owner of the team basically told me, if, uh, if you sell, I'll let you work with the hockey team. I'll let you do some things with the hockey team if you sell. And so, Bill, honestly, I sold because this is, this is weird, you know, years later. I didn't really want to sell. I just wanted to work with the hockey team. But I wanted to work with the hockey team so badly that I outsold everybody. And – I mean, seasoned veterans. He he hired uh, uh, um, he hired people that had been in radio that that knew how to sell. I didn't know anything, but I went out and sold because, by God, this is what I wanted to do. And um, and you know what? And, and I I do think I I had an honesty about me. Um, I think I just there were times when when. <laughs> I was just honest with people. I love hockey. I think you should love hockey. Um, I, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I, but I want to bring you into what we're trying to get, get accomplished here for, for Birmingham and for, and for the sport of hockey and everything else. And, you know, years later, I, I still have, um, I still have connections with people that I sold sponsorships to 20 something years ago. Um, like we text each other or we keep up with each other on Facebook or things like that. And I think, uh, you know, I know what you do for a living and I, and I know what you preach and, and, and you know what, and 
You're exactly right. But I, th- I think one of the things that, that you probably preach and it's, it's figuring out ways to tell people like be yourself, like if uh, like love what you do and, and care about what you're selling, because man, that comes through. It does. You, you can be not really good at what you do. I think back then I was not really good at what I was doing, but the I think people bought you. They yes. not only bought the team, but they bought you. And I think what you're doing is really revealing one of those secrets to success of many salespeople is that they represent themselves so well. And their product is almost secondary that if they believe in it so much, that those who they are selling will capture some of that belief themselves. And that's part of the excitement of the purchase. Yeah. No, you're right. And I, hey, I tip my cap to people who go out every day. They wake up every day and they go sell something that they really don't care about. I tip my cap to them because I couldn't do it. Um, I couldn't. I love what we're selling. I love what we're bringing to people's lives. And, and I think that passion comes across. And, uh, and I think it came across 25 years ago. Um, yeah. And anyway, that's... Uh, yeah, I, I didn't start off as the assistant general manager. I started off as a, uh, hey, bud, if uh, if you can sell, we'll let you work with the hockey team. And um, and that passion for wanting to work with the hockey team, you know, created a passion to sell. And then, and then, and then a funny thing happened along the way. I realized that, uh, hey, I, I'm all right at managing the hockey operations. I, I'm okay. I, I, I did a pretty good job of that. But that's not where I'm – that's really not where I'm good at. The thing that I was really good at – wasn't the thing that I set out to be good at. I just became good at it and, and started to love it. I started to love the the business operations of the, of the team. And then, um, you know, here in St. Louis, it's interesting. We're, we're a mid-market, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're not New York. We're not Chicago. We're not LA. Um, and Doug Armstrong, who I have learned an immense, uh, uh, number of lessons from him and both both Doug Armstrong and Chris Zimmerman, our team president on, on how to lead and how to manage and everything else. But we joke about something. We're here to fund this hockey team. Like my job and the job of my troops, our troops, I shouldn't say my, our troops is to fund this hockey team so that we can try to bring, bring a Stanley cup championship to St. Louis. And all the way down from Tom Stillman, our, our you know the chairman of our of our ownership group, to Doug Armstrong, who's over hockey operations, to Chris Zimmerman, who's over our business operations. Hey, um, I love the business side of it, but I got to tell you something. I love when, when you just said it. When when we won the cup, I told our team. I said we won the cup. We didn't play. We didn't put the team on the ice. But I tell you what. We funded the thing. We did. We we made the money that allowed us to go out and in St. Louis spend the cap so that we could win. And everybody should feel a part of that. Man, that's a great way to put it and and a great way to to let people, young people listening today know that you have to follow your passion because indeed it will lead you to the place that you really deserve to be rather than drag you along unwillingly. Uh, and, and to follow that, there's uh, over the last year, year and a half, there have been young people, students that are now graduating or have graduated recently that have not had the opportunity to do the things that you did when you first started out of school. 
They didn't have a chance to do their internships. They haven't had a chance to, to really show themselves like you did in Birmingham. What would be your advice to those young people today who have to figure out how they can get in front of people and prove themselves? Yeah, that's a, uh, you know, first of all, you just said it. I, I, I feel for, uh, you know, my daughter is a freshman in college and my son's a junior in high school. And sometimes my daughter, actually, she's, you, you and I were just talking about, there's so much better people than I was at their age. There's so much better. I'm amazed at what a wonderful father I am. <laughs> no, that's no. part of that somewhere, right? I, I, yeah. I got that, that eventually, but that's not no. where you were going, I know. No, what, what I mean by that is uh, my daughter actually came home this Christmas, and she, she plays at a, at a D2 school, and she's a soccer player, and, and she came home, and, and she made the comment to me. She goes, you know, Ted, my roommate was talking about how her parents were just talking about how how – sad they felt for her how you know they don't get to they didn't get to experience the end of their high school career and the start of their college career the way that 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 you know they thought that somebody should and my daughter said something that made me go wow just just wow she said I wish all you guys would shut up like we we don't we don't know like you know what we're 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 dealing with what we have and we're making the best of it. Like, stop telling us how we're missing out on this and missing out on that. Like, you know, maybe we're learning from all this. Maybe this is something that's going to make us better. Maybe this is something, I mean, in, in her words, she said, you know, 20 years from now, we're going to be talking about how when we went through the pandemic, we were, you know, we were this age and this is how we did it, so on and so forth. And it, it was such a realization to me of, like, appreciate where you are. Like just appreciate. And um, so when you ask the question about, about people today coming into this business and what they need to do, I think the first thing is like, appreciate, pre appreciate where you are. Like appreciate the opportunity that you have coming out of this pandemic, because Hey, a lot of people are going to need to tool that there is opportunity um, in this, in from, a, from that perspective, from a, from a young person's perspective, there is opportunity here. And how are you going to deal with it? Are you going to be, you know, are you going to be someone that goes in, like I told you earlier, that goes into, like I did, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just knew I wanted to do this. And I was going to, you know, hey, if I was going to fail, I was going to fail going 100 miles an hour. And I think there's so much opportunity for young people right now. There's so much opportunity to gain experience. There's so much opportunity to gain experience in an, in an adverse situation which will, you know, which will make you better. And um, I will say this because I have a lot of, you know, I have a daughter, like I said, who, who, who shockingly wants to be in the, the same business that I'm in in some shape or form. And I told her, I said, Hey, you need to go out and you need to get experience. Plain and simple. Um, start here in St. Louis uh, and then go from there, but like learn uh, I gave her the story of, of, I'm sure that we've always talked about, you know, the, the father who owns a company and he gives his son, he makes his son vice president out of college who never really did all the crappy jobs that are part of the company to learn it. That, that guy's doing his son, no favors, mm -hmm. you know, or his daughter, I should say that his son or his daughter. 
the the proper way to do that is take his son or his daughter, put them in the in the most basic lowest position in the company, and have them learn how the company works. Now you're doing a favor to your son or daughter. Now you're teaching them instead of giving them something. You're teaching them, and I would say that to anybody who's coming out of out of college right now, um, or or in college right now, go learn how the business actually works. Yeah. Great advice for people coming out. Just to wrap up, Chappie, I've, I've got a few surprise questions here. I'm going to come rapid fire at you. Okay. Just uh, word association kinds of things, and, and we'll have some fun with this. You ready? Ready. Your favorite binge watch during the pandemic? Um, it has been, uh, it's, it started with Ozark, uh, which I, for anybody who, who gets started in that, the first few episodes are kind of challenging. Like I was like, I don't understand why this is such a good show. But then once you get going, it's, it's pretty doggone good. And then my wife got me into Yellowstone, which I'm a little bit embarrassed by because I, I think it's the uh, I think it's the Dallas of, uh, of of this generation. But but it's really good. I'm a, I'm a huge Kevin Costner fan. It's good. Cool. Besides sports, the one thing you've missed most during COVID. <laughs> Pubs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Uh, I have a good friend of mine, really good friend of mine who owns uh, what I think OB Clark's, which, uh, which is one of it's, it's got kind of gotten a little bit famous here through our Stanley cup run. Um, I, I'm, I am a pub guy and not, not for like, Hey, I love having a beer. I, I just love hanging out with people. Yeah. Yeah. Atmosphere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, I don't Paisan. Know. yeah, well, you know, I'm Irish. And so I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> you just miss that. And it's actually what I think is, is what's so great about sports. We're, we're watching something going on on the ice, but really, really, we're just hanging out with each other, having a beer. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. The restaurant that you've had to order door dash from most often. Uh, Billy G's, which is a uh, local, I live in a little neighborhood called Kirkwood and Billy G's is a, uh, you know, you just gave me the Italian, uh, uh, his, his name is Billy Giano. And, um, anyway, Billy owns a place. that's probably about a half mile from here. Cool. And I've got the board game from your closet that you never thought you'd pull out again, that you played in 2020. Uh, I don't think I have an answer to that, but I will say this. I taught my kids how to play spades during the pandemic. Does that, does that qualify? That qualifies. Yeah. Favorite musical artist on your workout mix. <laughs> uh, Bruce Springsteen is my favorite musical artist. Now I will say this. I, I've been all over the map and one of the greatest things I think about technology is Spotify and maybe there's other apps like Spotify, but but one of the coolest things that I do when I go for a run or workout is they, they do those daily mixes for you. And I have discovered more new artists because of the day where, where I'm running along and I'm like, who is this? And I'll literally stop and, and look and see who this is and add it to my playlist. So I, I guess uh, Bruce Springsteen is my favorite musical artist, but, uh, but I'm all over the map and I, I have to give a plug to Spotify or apps like Spotify. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's, there's other ones as, as well. Sure. Favorite sports team that you have not worked for? Reds. Ah, okay. Favorite comedian or comedian? I just remember Carl Skrimsky. I remember 
uh, Ted Williams. I lived in Lakeville, Massachusetts growing up. And Ted Williams had a baseball camp that was literally a half mile away from my house. And I went to the baseball camp and he, you know, he showed up briefly at the camp. And I just, I, rem- I don't, I don't think I've ever been in awe of someone. I didn't, I didn't even, I, at, at that age, I didn't know like how good he was. I just knew that he was a former Red Sox and everybody else thought he was great. And I literally remember just like, I, I couldn't even speak when he was there, like how, like how cool it was. So yeah, I've never worked for the Red Sox, but, uh, but that is the team that, uh, that I would put in that category. Cool. Favorite comedian or comedian? Uh, Dave Chappelle. I think he's brilliant. Brilliant. Chappelle. Yeah. Favorite thing about going to school at Bama? Uh, this probably isn't a great uh, testament to Alabama, who I, who I, you know, their business school is vastly underrated, by the way. So let me say that before I tell you what I'm about to tell you. Football. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if you ask me, like, I, I just, you know, just everything that went around, the social aspects, the, uh, you know, gearing up the big game. Um, but uh, but they, they do have a great business school. They really do. Cool. Favorite thing about St. Louis now? Uh, the people. Without a doubt. The people. I, I can't even explain to you. My entire family loves living in St. Louis. And I can't really explain to you why. Um, but I will tell you this, it comes down to the people here. They, they are absolutely, uh, just good Midwestern values. Um, just, uh, you know what it's, it's the old, uh, they, they, they don't get in your business, but they have your back. And I don't know. I just, I love the people in the Midwest and I, I, it's, it's a great city. It really is. It's great way to describe it. Yeah. The biggest hurdle you have to overcome in the next six months? Um, well, I mean, the pandemic. I mean, it's it's the fact that we don't know what the what the question is, right? Um, it's it's hard enough to get the answer when you know what the question is. It's it's even harder when you don't know what the question is, and so. Uh, I don't think we, we have more plan. I, I, like I'm tired of making plans. I am like, we, we have more, I have more plans than we'll ever use. And so I think, uh, I think it's just the pandemic and not knowing what the, uh, what the question is. Yeah. Last one, one bold prediction that you would have for sports and entertainment going forward. Huh? One bold prediction. Steve Chapman predicts. <laughs> the blues win the stanley cup in uh this year I, I, you know what a bold prediction I, I don't know if i have a prediction but i will say this we better continue to learn how to connect with people and because that's you know the days of sports being win lose and and you know um it it is I don't care where you are. You you better learn how to make sports matter to your fans. And when I say matter, I don't mean wins and losses. I mean getting your heart a little bit, right? Because uh, the biggest challenge I think we have right now that a lot of people have probably learned in the pandemic, and I'm worried about this, Bill, to be completely honest with you. Uh, you don't need this. You don't need sports. None of us need sports. But we do. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, and that's a weird statement to say. 
but we, we have to show why, why we need it. And we have to show why it matters in your heart, why it matters to your family, why it matters to your business, why it matters to, you know, to people. And um, yeah, Hey, a huge part of that to some is wins and losses and everything else. But I think an even bigger part is, is why it, why it makes a connection in your life. And that's our challenge. Great way to sum this up. Can't thank you enough for the time. Steve Chapman, Executive Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer of the St. Louis Blues of the NHL. Thanks so much for your time, Steve, and for being a part of the Groundmakers today. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Good to see you, man. You too. If you enjoyed the program, please like us, share us with those you know, and hit subscribe on the podcast, and we'll let you know when another new episode is dropped. Your positive comments will help keep the Crowdmakers on the air. We'd be grateful for your five-star review. Got someone you'd like to hear as a guest on the Crowdmakers? Let us know, and we'll do our best to reach out to them. Drop us a note at info at isbi360.com. That's info at isbi360.com. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the first and only digital training network for sports and entertainment professionals. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com slash demo. That's isbi360.com slash demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Our chief engineer of the Crowdmakers is Ken Marinelli. Sean Quinn is our director of operations. Mark Yazowitz is the digital platform guru. And the executive producer of the Crowdmakers is Doug Quinn. I'm Bill Gertine. Until next time, thanks for listening and so long for now. This is the Crowdmakers on the C-Suite Radio Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.